The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life. Your host is Ellen Etoff, the soulful sex coach. Our program will take you beyond the sex you've been experiencing and open up a whole new world of intimacy. You've got a lot to learn today, so let's get started. Here is Ellen Etoff. Are you ready for a more erotic, ecstatic love life? I am. Now, today we're going to discuss what my guest calls one of the best kept secrets in human history. That is, opening to otherworldly realms through lovemaking. She says 8 to 12 people out of 100 have spontaneously catapulted into alternate realities during lovemaking without the use of drugs or intentional practices. Are you one of them? In today's show, my guest, Dr. Jenny Wade, Uh, She's a developmental psychologist and consciousness researcher. We'll discuss her research of these often spiritually enlightening, sexually healing, and sometimes disturbing experiences and share stories from her in-depth interviews of 91 people whose lives have been changed by them. Now, since I was one of these 91 subjects in her research, I'm going to share one of my own experiences with this realm of, um, of sexuality. So, Dr. Wade is the author of Transcendent Sex, When Lovemaking Opens the Veil. This was the result of all of her research. And um, so she'll also explore sex as a means for accessing whole consciousness. She'll tell you stories of people whose lovemaking was so intense, they attained altered states of consciousness, which led to transcendence, spiritual revelations, and the healing of psychological wounds. She'll also give some pointers on how to open yourself to these experiences and protect yourself should they happen to you. Now, if they already have happened to you, we'd love to hear about it. And you'll hear this phone number later, but I wanted to get you started with it. You can actually call into the live show at 1-866-472-5795 or send me an email to radioshow at ecstatica.com that's R-A-D-I-O-S-H-O-W at E-X-T-A-T-I-C-A dot com. So this address is only for questions or comments during the live show. I don't usually say this right up front, but I did get an email from somebody this afternoon um, they had these experiences, and I just wanted to leave that window open. So I want to introduce my guest. Dr. Jenny Wade is a lecturer, teacher, consultant, and researcher with a Ph.D. in human development. She specializes in the development of awareness, both through spontaneous and intentional practices that expand human potential by accessing hidden or unused innate capacities. As a developmental psychologist, she has studied processes that open gateways to greater possibility than is considered normal in everyday existence, but that is potentially available to all human beings. So, welcome, Dr. Jenny Wade. 
Hi, Ellen. I'm really happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. And as we'll get into a little bit later, you know, we actually have a history around this realm because, you know, I was part of your research. So, but (laughs) But let's start with what you define as transcendent sex. Well, I guess the shortest way to describe it is to say that transcendent sex is, and the way I define it, is when sex or sexual activity uh, triggers an altered state. And by that, I mean um, some sense of change in your sense of self. Your sense of self may expand. It uh, could be out of your normal body, which most of us think of as, as a part of ourselves. Um, it could be larger than yourself. It could be that you feel interconnected with all beings. Um, it could be a sense of change in time or space. These are all clinical markers of altered states uh, that researchers commonly use. So instead of being in the here and now, you might suddenly find yourself in another realm, maybe uh, under the water, uh, swimming with beautiful sea creatures, or in outer space, or perhaps in a time and place you don't even recognize. They also do involve slipping in time. Some people find that time becomes very plastic, it expands and contracts, or they suddenly find themselves in a past life. So any of these alterations are considered different from normal consciousness, normal everyday waking consciousness. And when that begins to happen during sex, I call these transcendent sexual experiences because you're transcending your everyday reality and everyday sense of self and your lover to be in some unusual, expanded, or very different kind of reality. Right. So what do you think are, the, what, if any, the correlations between this, this type of, quote, transcendent sex with the kind of sacred sex described in, you know, tantric traditions or other ancient uh, traditions? Well, they may be very, very much alike. Um, People have been recording magical kinds of sexual experiences literally since the beginning of time, or at least since the beginning of recorded history. In the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is the oldest piece of writing in human history, uh, there is a story of sex in there where a, a sacred priestess, and the priestesses in those days had sex with different worshipers, was told by a goddess to seek out this man who was half a wild beast. Um, he grazed, you know, eating grass like the other beasts. He went down to the water hole with the other beasts. He did not walk upon two legs but on all fours. And when he had sex with this priestess, uh, well, first of all, it lasted for a whole week. They had sex for, for seven days, <laughs> day and night, and it was Woo-hoo! pretty hot. And at the end of it, he suddenly began to walk upright like a man. And the wild beasts who, has been, who had been his companions now distanced themselves from his body. And when the priestess looked at him, she said, Oh, you have changed. Now you have become, and in effect he had become, part man and part divine. So this week-long sex bout turned him from a beast into an elevated being. And that's the very first record we ever had in human history. So although we can't say for sure what kinds of practices or experiences were going on out of the quasi-mythical realm, 
back in ancient times, we know that there were a number of sacred sects that were devoted to probably esoteric sexual practices. And um, because these were secretive, most of them did not leave records. Only the initiates knew what the practices were and what the states were that came out of them. But much later on, Tantra indeed did become um, a way of life that cultivated uh, practices that led to elevated kinds of sexual experiences. What most people don't know today who sign up for a Tantra class is that originally uh, in classic Tantra, you were only given a sexual partner at the very beginning, and these were male practitioners. So they had, there were females who would practice sex with them, but the goal was to eliminate the partner as quickly as possible and be able to manipulate those sexual energies in your own body by yourself just through forms, different forms of meditation and visualization so that it became not only a solitary practice, but technically, since there wasn't a partner, sort of a, a non-sexual, at least not physically sexual practice that led to enlightenment. And enlightenment, in this case, was the dissolution of the separate self and the body, but by using energies that are in the body uh, up through the chakra systems and the meridians to achieve that higher level. I've never heard you describe all of that, and you just—it's beautiful. Thank you so much. Oh, um, so you know, you talk about this historical lineage. So, and and, the, and then yet you've said it's one of the best kept secrets in human history. So let's discuss why it's such a secret. Why do you think it's been that way? Well, I think probably for a number of reasons. Um, when, as religion became increasingly codified and civil, civilized, um, the priests began to gather power to themselves, who, whoever they were, whatever, whatever cult. In tribal or indigenous cultures, you still find an, a lot of expectation that just ordinary people will have magical encounters during sex. In fact, uh, the Viking word or the old Icelandic word for sex is going on a journey together. And um, it's quite common in indigenous cultures for people to expect to have unusual spiritual experiences during sex and not to think anything about it. But they also don't have hierarchies of priesthoods. We got that with, with civilization. And as the priests began to gather, their, gather authority, they began to pass judgment on whether something that some you know, naive person, so somebody who wasn't a priest or wasn't an initiate, if they had an experience, the priest would judge that and say, well, yes, that was an okay experience, or no, that, that wasn't really a holy experience. It was this kind. And as they gained more power, interestingly enough, across almost all religions, sex became increasingly regulated about what kind of partner was acceptable, what time of day you could have sex, uh, what kind of positions you could use, how often you could have sex, um, how much pleasure you could have from sex. You know, oh, that's trickled like right down through to our culture, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this is pretty much true across almost every religion, and particularly uh, in the more esoteric branches. Uh, Buddhism, for example, um, is a very heady, not-in-the-body kind of, kind of religion. 
And uh, even in Tantra, you know, and in many Hindu practices, it's about getting beyond desire, getting beyond the needs of the body. And certainly in the Judeo-Christian tradition, that's true as well. But uh, in the Jewish religion, sex always had a part, uh, more so than the other religions. Even rabbis, you know, uh, and scholars were supposed to be married. And being part of being married was carrying out your conjugal duties. And in fact, they are supposed to have sex on holy days, unlike most, most Christians who are not supposed to have sex on holy days. Right. The Jews are supposed to. And husbands have an obligation to satisfy their wives. So uh, sexual satisfaction is also built in to, to their religion, but not in most. In fact, in most, it's, it's not okay. And so most of us have grown up feeling ashamed or not okay or it's not our right to talk about sex, certainly not with our spiritual leaders or spiritual guides unless it's a way to control sex. And to me, one of the saddest things in doing my research was I was uncovering these wonderful, spiritual, moving stories from people in almost every case, and I was the first person they'd ever told because they didn't feel safe telling anyone else that they'd had these absolutely magnificent, mind-blowing experiences yes, while they were know, having sex. I was once in a, um, it was a breakout room from a larger conference with you know, sex therapists and counselors and so forth, and the subject came up of these transcendent sexual experiences. I don't think you were there at the time, but it did come up, and one of these uh, therapists who was actually quite well known, I won't mention her name, but... She had not had these experiences, but in hearing the subject matter, she said, well, if I had that kind, if my partner had that kind of experience and told me about it, I would say, well, like, where, you know, what am I when you were having this experience? What am I, chop liver? <laughs> it's like, you know, like, you're off having this ecstatic, transcendent experience, and I'm here with your body, you know. And so I can see why some people might be afraid to share it with their partner if that's a prevalent attitude. I don't know if it is, you know. Um, it's some of the attitude. What I tended to hear more was that, that people were afraid that their partners would make fun of them. Um, it's, it, well, with near-death experiences, for example, those are now pretty well known in the culture, but many people are afraid to disclose that they've had one because they feel like other people will think they're crazy or wouldn't understand or especially might belittle or mock the experience. And I think that's one reason many of us keep some of our most sacred moments to ourselves. Uh, they are so important if we do bring them to the light of day with another person. We want that person to be highly respectful of it and not to say, well, you were just drunk or that was just a hallucination or are you kidding? You know, that's not real. Um, we're afraid to show those things that are so precious and so personal a lot of times to others. And when it is a lover, when you've had it in a, in a situation like that and you're, you don't even know if your lover has perceived that you've had it, it can be really uh, off-putting to think that, you know, should I disclose this or not? I, I don't think so. It's a little bit too close to the bone for me. Mm, yeah, so um, it's about time to take a short break, and maybe when we come back, you could discuss sort of how you got into this realm, what your personal experiences were that set you on this journey, and um, I'll share something myself. So this Good. is El- 
<laughs> so this is Ellen Etoff, and my guest is Dr. Jenny Wade, the author of Transcendent Sex, When Lovemaking Opens the Veil. And uh, you're listening to Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life. And you can catch the replay of this show and all the other Ecstatica radio shows streaming online, or you can download the MP3s, you know, the podcast, and you can get the show transcripts at ecstatica.com slash show. That's E-X as in exciting, T-A-T-I-C-A dot com slash S-H-O-W, that's slash show. So stay tuned for more on Transcendent Sex. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. It's being called the easiest way to have mind-blowing sex. Why? Because it turns average sex into incredible sex without you doing anything different. And today, you can see it for yourself in a free report. Learn how easy it is to stimulate greater sexual passion, enhance libido, and easier multiple orgasms for women. Experience new levels of intimacy as old sexual inhibitions melt away. And it all happens when you simply play a special type of music while you make love. How is it possible that nothing more than just playing music can give you such incredible sexual encounters? Because this music is enhanced with a special technology called auditory pheromones. Learn how scientifically proven auditory pheromones unleash a wave of sexual passion, intimacy, and pleasure, and free the body to experience maximum arousal and stimulation. Get your free auditory pheromones report today at musicforbettersex.com. That's musicforbettersex.com. Health is in your hands. What you do and what you don't do sets the course for the path of your life. Listen for wise chats, simple talk, profound wisdom with Dr. Mary Jo Bulbrook. Through this series, we'll explore energetic approaches to health and healing that provide practical and personal solutions. Our guests will share ideas and insights that will help us all adopt new behaviors and create lasting internal shifts. Wise Chats can be heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This is Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life. Do you have questions or comments for Ellen Etoff or her guests? Call in live at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to radio show at ecstatica.com. Now, back to the program. 
Welcome back. This is Ellen Etoff, the Soulful Sex Coach, with my guest, Dr. Jenny Wade, consciousness researcher and author of Transcendent Sex, When Lovemaking Opens the Veil. Before we resume, I'd like to offer you a free gift, my 69-minute audio and ebook called Beyond Orgasm, How to Have a More Deeply Connected Sexual Experience. You can get it free at beyondorgasm.com. So... When I first met Jenny Wade, I was in grad school, and I was taking a class called Transpersonal Perspectives on Sexuality and Relationship, Excuse me. and she came as a guest speaker, and I had been wondering about my own experiences, thinking my partner and I were just like totally, you know, out in left field, and then she starts describing these experiences that people are having at the at the beginnings of her research, I guess. And I'm going, oh my God, we're not the only ones. This is so exciting, you know? So it can feel very alone since people aren't sharing this. And ever since all of this came about, um, I've wherever I've gone around the world, actually, people have come up to me and wanted to tell me their private stories of these unusual um, life-changing experiences. So... Whether it's your own or another one, well, I just would like to have you share a couple of people's experiences and, you know, how you ended up on this path of this research. Well, thanks. Um, I, I ended up because one of these things happened to me. Um, and I was in my uh, late 40s. I had had, you know, a, I think a reasonably exciting and very positive sex life up to that point. But um, I was with a new lover who also, just as it happened, um, was a researcher of altered experiences, uh, as, as I was. And um, when we were making love one time, um, the, the walls of the room that we were in seemed to dissolve, and I suddenly found myself um, on a beach um, looking into a bright sunset, and I knew intellectually that I was still in a, a, almost a bare white room uh, in a very cold climate with snow outdoors. And I thought, what is the matter with me? What, am I hallucinating or, or what? And um, this beach uh, seemed to change instead of I was seeming to have to squint to look into the brightness of the sun. And then one of the next things was that I found myself underwater swimming with all kinds of sea creatures um, but as I continued to look at them, I realized they weren't actual sea creatures. They were very stylized. And, in fact, they are the kind that you see in Cretan wall paintings, like at the uh, palace at Knossos. And I've never been there, I, I need to say, immediately. I think the only time I've ever even seen pictures of Cretan art was maybe when I was six or seven years old. Um, it's not an area of study for me, but I, I recognize them. And I, lay, I had a great sense of peace and tranquility and wonder, but when I sort of found myself back in the room with my lover, I thought, what in the world was that? And I really felt like I just somehow lost it for a few minutes, that I was crazy. So I didn't say anything to him. Um, I didn't say anything at all, and so months went by, and then another time when I was in bed with him, I had a complete uh, breakdown of all categories of reality. Um, I was, everything that was in the room, everything that was in my mind disappeared in 
a very soft sort of fountain of white light, and I went into nothingness. It was exactly like the void that is described in Buddhism, where there was nothing there, no thoughts, no time, no categories, no nothing, just this perfect, uh, extensionless nothing that also contained everything. And uh, eventually the white light receded and I found myself back in reality. And, and I started doing what a lot of people do after having a samadhi or sartori experience or an experience of enlightenment. I started laughing and I couldn't control <laughs> yeah. my laughter. Well, this brought things rapidly to a halt with my lover who didn't know what was going on. And I had, then I had to explain what had happened when I could finally speak. And so I told him about it, and because of his own studies and spiritual path, he recognized it, and he said, that's so strange. Do you know, I always have altered states when I have sex with you. And and you never told me? (laughs) He said, no, I thought I was crazy. He was a much older gentleman, so he was in his 60s when this was happening. He said, I never had anything like this in my life, but he said, I was afraid to talk about it. So then he told me about his experiences, which were completely different from mine. And so I became curious about this and started asking different people, have you ever had anything like, you know, sort of strange uh, in terms of your consciousness or your awareness happen during sex? And I began to gather a lot of stories. And I wrote several articles, academic articles about it, and then wound up finally uh, writing a book because of the number that I had collected. And uh, it's a popular book, but it is based on, on some hard research. So there are wonderful stories and so many different kinds of experiences out there. In fact, what I found is that people can have, through sex, almost every other kind of experience that has been explained or, or is considered desirable on different spiritual paths, whether those are indigenous spiritual paths uh, or the esoteric paths uh, that are branches of major religions, uh, like Sufism, uh, which is mystical Islam, like mystical Christianity, uh, like Kabbalic Judaism, many states that are described in the Hindu and Buddhist texts. But as I the recall, you said that same kinds don't... of states are possible through sex. Yeah, and as I recall, you said that um, people don't necessarily have experiences that match their religious perspective at the time. It could be a totally different religion that they have an experience of, one that they don't. That's absolutely right, and that's very confusing to some people. It was confusing to me. In fact, one of my first thoughts was, why am I having this Buddhist experience? I'm Episcopalian. (laughs) (laughs) But that is pretty typical. People get surprised. Yes, and by the way, I just want to tell listeners to get your book because she, Jenny Wade is a great storyteller, so it's a very entertaining read. It's not a, it doesn't feel like you're reading someone's research, you're reading stories, <laughs> and then they, you know, there's conclusions drawn and so forth, but um, it's just really an enjoyable read. So again, that book is called Transcendent Sex, When Lovemaking Opens the Veil by Dr. Jenny Wade, W-A-D-E, and what is the publisher, Jenny? Um, it, it's uh, by Simon and Schuster, and uh, there, it's their pair of you pocketbooks imprimatur. Right, right. Okay. So back to the time when we first met. So she was speaking at this, you know, this class, and I was in grad school. And she said at the very end, if anybody's had these kinds of experiences, you know, she'd love to chat with us. So 
course, after the class, I met up with her, and um, we ended up, you know, she getting together, and she interviewed me for a couple of hours. Now, she did use pseudonyms in the book and gave everybody, you know, different names. However, she gave one person the name Ellen. Only that one isn't me. <laughs> so, uh, what I'm going to do is I'll tell you a story of um, just a little experience that has happened. To me. I had many experiences after that interview and after the book was published and after we had last discussed it. And um, so, one of them I'll tell you because it's not in the book. And that is that, um, I, and by the way, my partner also had transcendent experiences, but they were not the same ones I was having. Mine had a lot more visual quality, and his didn't so much. But um, this was an occasion which I felt was, for me, was very powerful. And, and I didn't ever have these experiences where I totally lost um, contact with my partner and where I was. So I always had a dual perspective. Um, it was I was never 100% out of the room or 100% in the room. It was all happening at once. Uh, so I don't know how typical that is. But um, in this particular case, we were making love, and all of a sudden, I started perceiving myself as being different women of different races and different cultures and different ages. I might be a like an Irish woman who would have like a wash, scrubbing clothes on a washboard or a tall, beautiful African woman with a big bundle on her head as she's walking, swaying her hips. And, um, or, you know, very old uh, Chinese woman or very young, lovely woman, you know, running through the, the forest somewhere. So it was really um, all these different women making love to my partner from all these different perspectives. And then he started to change. He started to morph. It was like morphing in a, you know, the kind of 3D, the kind of a special effects they now have in easily done on television or film. And he started morphing into younger and older men and men of different races. And it was like, wow, it was just, it, I was just sort of fascinated with the experience of being all women, sort of making love to all men. And then it shifted. And I became all men, and he became all women. Now, that was a total new one for me. And it just kept morphing to these different experiences. So I felt I was having this sort of universal experience of lovemaking and sexuality from all these different perspectives, even though I don't recall what we were doing physically, but we were definitely having intercourse at the time. And in my recollection, we were face-to-face at the time. Because I did, you know, at times open my eyes to kind of look and see if it was still happening, and it was. So, for me, that was just a very powerful, universal perspective, which I hold dear to this day. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, it was. So, do you have any other particular... Um, let's, let's discuss a bit about, because um, you might want to tell a story that relates to this, but you've talked about how transcendent sex can heal psychological and emotional wounds, leaving a person with a greater sense of peace about their place and role in the universe. And I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. And maybe you have a, an example of a, an experience someone had that reflects that. Yes. Um, interestingly, I, I, almost every one of the stories that I gathered had some kind of positive 
result from it. And this is what we find with a lot of the altered states that people have during, during meditation or as part of a spiritual practice is that the altered state, whether it feels positive at the time or negative, ultimately produces uh, a positive effect where the person feels uh, more spiritually in tune, feels uh, a larger, uh, much more peaceful, expanded sense of self, or where they're actually healed, uh, where some wounding has taken place. And yes, I've, I've got a story that I like to tell. This is not one that's in the book, um, but I think it can show two sides of things that I'd like to bring out, including sort of the dark side of these sexual experiences or some frightening material. Um, this, uh, there was a couple, the uh, man had been in one of my classes, and although he'd never had a transcendent sexual experience, he'd heard me talk about them and, and lecture about them. And so um, he called me because he said his girlfriend needed some help. She'd had a frightening altered state episode when they were having sex, and he he knew enough from going to the class that he knew how to respond to her in a way that helped her out. She had begun uh, trembling violently in his arms when they were making love, and her what she was experiencing was that her soul was going out of her body, and it was accelerating faster and faster the farther away it became. She really thought she was dying. She was having an out-of-body experience, and she was shaking so... So drawing on what he remembered from the class, he had the presence of mind to tell her to relax and realize that she was safe in his arms, not to try to take her out of the state, but just to relax and close her eyes and understand that she was safe and just give herself to the experience, to trust it rather than fight it. So her trembling subsided, and he could see that her eyes were moving very, very rapidly under her eyelids. Um, the way they do in REM sleep. Um, So once she came back, uh, once she had calmed down, instead of just being out of her body and afraid she was going to die, she suddenly felt surrounded by the presence of God. She could feel throughout her entire body how totally precious and beloved she was and how beloved everyone is and that everything she regretted in her life, all the things she thought she'd done wrong, made absolutely no difference in this flood of unconditional love. Meeting God was nothing like she thought it would be. Um, she always imagined that she, if she ever saw God, he was going to tell her how she didn't measure up, mm-hmm. or that she'd been given this big to-do list for life, and somehow she hadn't done what she was supposed to do. But that was not the way her experience was at all. So when she came back to the ordinary world, she was absolutely euphoric. Um, She just couldn't say enough about how wonderful she felt. But then she started being violently ill. She uh, and her boyfriend had eaten exactly the same meal at home, so they knew she didn't have food poisoning. But she was vomiting and didn't stop for hours, and that was one of the reasons they called me. And when, as I was talking to her, and ask her what did she think was going to be on God's to-do list or how had she imagined that she had fallen short. She told me uh, about an experience where she had been working overseas with orphans and that she had been asked to leave this nonprofit organization even though she thought she was doing good work and how humiliated and bad she felt. And she kept 
the metaphor that she kept using was that, so I just had to swallow my guilt. I had to leave that assignment, and I just had to swallow my guilt, and I had to just keep pushing it down, pushing it down. That's the only way I got through those years after that overseas assignment. And recently, she said, the guilt had been overwhelming because she really felt that she had failed in this God-given mission to work with these orphaned uh, refugees overseas. And so I said, well, do you think that the reason you're sick now is because your guilt is all coming back up? You don't need to feel guilty. God showed you that you're loved unconditionally. There's no need to hold on to this. And she recovered within just a few hours, and she was still ecstatic weeks later. So I think this is the kind of thing that can happen. Could she have had it on a meditation cushion or praying? Maybe so. But for her, it came while she was making love with her partner. I didn't have anything to share with her except to say, hey, you're not delusional. This is your own truth. And that was what she discovered through this experience. And that is such an important piece, though, for someone to acknowledge that you're not delusional, that these are, if not totally common, they're not uncommon, and they're not abnormal. Absolutely not. And so she had a level now of peace of mind uh, and personal acceptance of self-love that she had never had before. And to me, as, as exciting and interesting and blissful as some of these altered states can be, and fascinating, you know, some of them, uh, the, real, the real value is the fruit that you come up with, you know, when you integrate those experiences, because you do see a lot of healing. This was clearly some psychological healing that she needed, and what an extraordinary and beautiful way for it to come to her. Really, absolutely. And... Oddly enough, now that as you put it that way about the fruits of the experience, um, to be honest, one of the big fruits of my experiences uh, ended up being this whole body of work ecstatica. So um, (laughs) maybe I'll get to that (laughs) later. But we're going to take our last break. And this is Ellen Etoff with my guest, Dr. Jenny Wade on ecstatica, the way to an erotic ecstatic love life. We'll be right back. is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. It's being called the easiest way to have mind-blowing sex. Why? Because it turns average sex into incredible sex without you doing anything different. And today, you can see it for yourself in a free report. Learn how easy it is to stimulate greater sexual passion, enhance libido, and easier multiple orgasms for women. Experience new levels of intimacy as old sexual inhibitions melt away. And it all happens when you simply play a special type of music while you make love. How is it possible that nothing more than just playing music can give you such incredible sexual encounters? Because this music is enhanced with a special technology called auditory pheromones. 
Learn how scientifically proven auditory pheromones unleash a wave of sexual passion, intimacy, and pleasure, and free the body to experience maximum arousal and stimulation. Get your free auditory pheromones report today at musicforbettersex.com. That's musicforbettersex.com. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. This is Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life. Do you have questions or comments for Ellen Etoff or her guests? Call in live at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to radio show at ecstatica.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. This is Ellen Etoff discussing transcendent sex with Dr. Jenny Wade. So we talked about, you know, you have told a wonderful story about the um, potential sort of life-changing, transformative experience that this one woman had with her um, transcendent sexual experiences. And I wonder if you can talk about some other kinds of positive transformation, especially I know you've dealt with um, people who've healed from sexual abuse. And maybe we could explore how that how these transcendent experiences might differ from the kind of dissociation that a lot of people who've been abused have when they're making love. Yes. Um, many people who have been abused sexually uh, do have a, a sort of an altered state during sex uh, that is called dissociation, and it usually means um, taking their mind as far from their body or as far from what's going on sexually as possible. It's a kind of numbing. Uh, sometimes they seem to be out of their body, just away, you know, so their body's somewhere else doing this thing that's been horribly frightening to them and very painful at some time in their lives, even though it may no longer be. They may have a loving partner, but they just can't stay in their body and be present during sex, so they dissociate and they sort of go somewhere else and numb everything down and are, are seldom genuinely orgasmic, um, and they're, they tend to be in sort of a flat fantasy kind of place. The altered states that people have during transcendent sex are extremely different, and interestingly enough, uh, about 10% of my sample had been people who had been abused as children, males and females both. And they had always had difficulty with sex, but when they were they were talking in voices of amazement about these transcendent experiences, which happened in spite everything to them, um, they would be making love, expecting it to be the same dismal thing it had always been for them, and yet suddenly 
something else would open up. They would be interconnected with their partners. They'd be able to be here and now and feeling pleasure and joy in their bodies and oftentimes just incredibly linked with their partners. One of the women in my sample um, had actually been so traumatized that she had a condition called vaginismus where the vagina and the cervix muscles are so traumatized they tighten absolutely closed. And so the woman cannot be penetrated without great pain. And she was like this. She was with a man she adored. Uh, He would have always been nothing but kind and patient and a skillful lover with her. But still she had such tight vaginismus. Uh, Penetration was just not possible. And finally, after working very slowly over many, many months with her, she was able to break through that fear and pain in making love with him and to the point that she is so sexually healed now that she actually took courses to become a sexual surrogate to help other people who are traumatized with sex. And wow. she is by far not the only one in my sample. You know, people who had been sexually abused became orgasmic, fully sexual beings capable of having and repeating these kinds of transcendent sexual experiences. So what you're saying is that she actually wasn't having intercourse when this occurred because she wasn't able to at that time. And then after Mm -hmm. the fact, she was able to open to that. Yes, yes. Her whole body began to open up and then to the point where this was something she could share with others. Yeah. So what do you think causes it? I mean, we've, we've discussed this before, but I'd like, I'm sure listeners are going to want to know, what do you think causes these altered states or this sort of sudden uh, catapulting into this other realm? Uh, well, anybody is capable of this. This seems to be a capacity that all human beings have. It's not that women have it more than men. It's, it's not related to uh, the way women have sex versus the way men have sex. It's not related to orgasm. Uh, you know, some women can chain orgasms forever, and men usually, you know, they have one, and there's, that, there's a real spike of arousal, but it doesn't seem to be related to that either. People had these experiences sometimes way before orgasm, or they didn't even realize they'd had an orgasm. They couldn't even remember because the altered state was so compelling and so intense. One woman said, I don't even want to have an orgasm because it's like a distraction when that's going on. And many men said, I try to wait as long as possible because I don't want this beautiful state to end, which often it does for men. But it can start just when you're holding hands. It can start when you see somebody across the room. Um, It has no relationship to abuse. And uh, surprisingly, or at least this was surprising to me when I began my research, is it's not necessarily about a special relationship. It doesn't, it's not about your true love or your partner of 30 years. It might be with that person, but people also had it during transient sex, somebody that they just picked up in a bar. Um, so it's not about the nature of the relationship. It doesn't have to do with how accomplished a meditator or a yoga practitioner you are or or anything. It has no relationship to any of that. And um, I think, and I have to say, I was talking to people who were not prepared for this. They were not taking Tantra classes to try to bring these about. These were people for whom it was a spontaneous and unexpected 
experience because I wanted to talk to people who didn't know what had happened and didn't have a, a box to put it in. Right. So as an aside, or actually maybe it's totally relevant, uh, because you're about this whole issue of what has what has not led to these experiences, um, after Dr. Wade published her book, she calls me and says, my publisher wants me to do... Uh, you know, workshops. And she goes, I'm a consciousness researcher. I don't do sex workshops. So she called me. <laughs> and we ended up doing our shared dog and pony show. In fact, the first one was that uh, we, we did separate workshops at the International Conference on Sacred Sexuality in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And and she presented um, her research and these kinds of things that we're talking about today. And then I was asked to do a half-day workshop on how to open yourself to transcendent sexual experiences. And to be honest, I've been really, you know, trying for years to kind of research and put all this together. I've been researching the ancient sacred uh, sexual practices, and there's a lot of contemporary sex research and, you know, the psychological research because I was getting I was getting my master's in East-West psychology at the time. So I took kind of an academic approach, as well as taking other people's classes, and so I did kind of come to. It all came together that I felt there were. Four keys that people who had these experiences were sort of spontaneously using, unconsciously using, that, um, you know, through the ages may have been sort of the roots of these various um, ancient practices. And so I came up with these four keys. And as a result, people started saying, I remember the next day one woman came and grabbed me in the hallway. She goes, oh, my God, you know, on a scale of one to ten, our sex life went from a to a, uh, from a 6 to a 26 overnight. but um, So it led me to do more with these four keys. And I'm, I'm thinking I might actually do an entire show. It became known as the four keys to sexual ecstasy. And I do have a, a product and a program on that. But um, So I know this all sounds very exciting. But let's talk with what little time we have left about some of the, possi- some of the dark side. Like what are the possible hazards of transcendent sexual experiences? I'm glad you asked about that because particularly for people who are not planning to have these experiences, they're not cultivating them consciously, um, when you have uh, an opening like this, it can be very dangerous, uh, I'd say in two different ways. One is um, that your ego boundaries, your sense of self can become so blown open that uh, you have trouble reconstituting your sense of self and your normal boundaries when sex is over or when you come out of that state. And it's almost as though you don't ever come out of it quite all the way. And um, so this is very difficult for some people. Uh, some of the people in my sample, for instance, uh, would be so open to their partners that if their partner had a uh, physical condition, like uh, a bad cold or something, the um, person would immediately pick up the cold symptoms. Even though they'd been fine before, they would immediately get all the same physical symptoms that their partner did. Um, And this was true particularly for partners who were using intoxicating substances like drugs or liquor. Uh, There was one man in the study who was very health conscious. Uh, He had a a health-based body practice uh, that was his profession, Uh, but he had fallen in love with this woman, and he found that he could not make love to her when she was on drugs, which I guess she was fairly frequently, or using alcohol, because he would immediately become intoxicated 
just from making love to her. His wow. self-boundaries were not sufficient any longer to keep her out. And this can be devastating when it involves emotional or psychological boundaries uh, that you just can't separate. Uh, one man actually became celibate because his boundaries got so porous that as much as he craved intimacy with his partners, he could not keep out negative emotional dynamics that were in their lives from intruding on his psyche. The second kind of negative experience is becoming sort of overly bonded with a partner who is not really a good partner for you. Um, It seems as though some of these ecstatic states occur more easily with partners who represent the dark emotional dynamics of our early childhood. Uh, You know, maybe a a bond with a caretaker that might have been appropriate, you know, with, uh, you know, a good father or a very powerful father, let's say, for a woman or a very powerful mother uh, for a man. And maybe that dynamic is okay when it's a kid and a mother. But if you bond, and and we all do, we all bond in some ways to people who remind us of our parents or our primary caregivers. Um, If that power imbalance remains in the relationship or if the relationship wasn't a very healthy one, if you begin having these altered states, it can leave you emotionally highly dependent um, on somebody who's not really very good for you. And people can regress uh, very, very drastically. And the sex then almost has an addictive quality because it's the only time that the person feels good as well. When we're having this ecstatic sex, you know, that's what makes this whole relationship worth it. And then they begin to ignore the more destructive aspects of the relationship. And um, people can become very addicted to sex or sex can become what they live for or the only part of the relationship that works. And it can be extremely destructive. So how do you recommend people avoid these kinds of hazards? Would it be just in your selection of a partner or something else? Some of it is in selection of a partner, Uh, yes. And, you know, that's easier said than done. We'd all like to make wise choices (laughs) when it comes to our love partners, and some of us are more able to do that (laughs) than than others. But uh, in particular, it's important to watch about the power differentials in the relationship. If you're trying to bring about these states or cultivate these states, you know, you can always go to a Tantra class or one of your workshops, Ellen, or something uh, to learn how to do it. And one thing I would say as a voice of caution here is that many practitioners or teachers of this are abusive teachers, in effect. You know, they, they wind up getting people who are in their classes hooked on them. So they're sort of energy predators or, you know, sexual predators in a way. So it's, in, it's important to choose your partner or your teacher in these things to be someone with a lot of integrity and someone who is not trying to get their own power needs, relationship needs, or sexual needs met through the people that they're doing business with. Absolutely. And, you know, by the way, when you talk about that, um, I just wanted to say that although I do have this program, um, it is, I do believe you can help open yourself to transcendent sexual experiences, but it's still a matter of grace. I think you can sort of set things in, set the stage, but you can't force it to happen in my experience. And I just wanted that's, to underscore that. That's true. That, that is very true. Um, 
and uh, you can talk about the four keys. You know, there are, there are certainly many things people can do to increase the likelihood that they'll have these experiences. Uh, I just would like to give another couple of cautions is if you find yourself slipping into an altered state and it, it's frightening to you or you don't feel like it's safe for some reason because of the partner or because, because of anything, if it just doesn't feel right, there are ways to stop it. Uh, one, of course, is most immediately to stop whatever it is you're doing. Uh, repetitive motion, repetitive sound, uh, you know, keeping your eyes closed, all of those things can conduce to an altered state and can push you farther into it. So stop those things. One of the best things you can do is open your eyes and change the way you're moving, and if, if, if at all possible. Very good. So thank you so much. I'm afraid we're going to have to wrap it up. I want to thank you so much for being here. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show. And if people want to to reach you, uh, should we just send them to your website? Yes, that'd be a good idea. Okay, so that's transcendentsex.org, right? Yes. Okay, and um, be sure to get her book, Transcendent Sex, by Dr. Jenny Wade. And if you'd like a transcript of this show or any of my other shows, be sure to go to ecstatica.com slash show. Thank you so much for listening to Ecstatica. This is Ellen Etoff, the Soulful Sex Coach, in support of you having an erotic, ecstatic love life. We hope you learned from and enjoyed the show today. Join us again for another stimulating hour of Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life with your host, Ellen Etoff, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This week, enjoy the best sex of your life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.